Off the Ball on News Talk. Thanks to Air. Catch all the sports you love free on the Air Sport Pack with Air Broadband. Callum Horgan is there going to take it. Drills it in towards the uh, penalty spot. Little pick on for equaliser from Stevie Fallen. What a reply. A little flick header. Absolutely brilliant. That's the way to respond. Oh, absolutely Rogers. brilliant goal. What a goal. This is News Talk's SSE or Tricity League podcast. I am Oshin Langan and he is Daniel Kelly. And you can get me on at Oshin Langan. You can get him on at Asmisha Daniel. That was Mike Rafferty and Derek Rogers, the Galway Bay FM commentary team, describing Stephen Follin's equaliser against Cork City last Friday night at Eamon DC Park. It means that City's perfect start to the season is at an end. It's now 12 wins and a draw. And Dan John Caulfield very much under pressure now. Guess what, Oshin? What? We have a title race. It's on. I think you're messing when you say that, but I'm very Dundalk much and Shamrock Rovers and Bray, I don't think you can rule them out, especially Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers, who've got a nice squad bubbling up there. There's a lot of young guys who are stepping up this season. Oshin, we're, we're recording this on the 17th of May, 2017. I'm going to put my neck on the line and say Cork City will win the league. Well, that's if John Caulfield survives True. Draw. Like I think he may have been given a vote of confidence today. Well, listen, a win for Cork City this Friday night against Drogheda will buy him some time. And that will make the stats look a little bit better. Yeah. You know, 13 wins out of 14. You know, it'll take a little bit of pressure off John Caulfield. But he needs it. He is a, like, yeah. He's a marked man now, isn't hearing, he? Hearing him on off the ball on Tuesday night, you could actually hear the pressure <laughs> he was under. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what? Jokes aside, right? An away draw against Galway, who beat Dundalk a couple of weeks back and got a draw against Derry in the last couple of weeks, is a very good result. But even though he didn't really say it with his words in his post-match interview on Friday night you can actually hear the frustration in Alan Bennett's voice we're disappointed the dressing room after dropping two points you know it shows the standards we have and the levels we've come to and the expectancy within the group and within ourselves you know it's one of those nights I suppose you know we had chances but God we have set up they've changed their system in the past uh, past few weeks and they're working really hard and they've become really hard to break down so they've steadied the ship a bit you know so um, it's probably a credit to them and their manager and, and uh, we'll go again next week and we'll look to start again that draw on Friday night get a good home crowd down Cork and get back to what we love doing which is playing football and uh, hopefully get three points Alan Bennett of Cork City there Alan Bennett capped by Ireland as was his teammate at the time Joe Gamble we'll talk to him a little bit later on about Shawnee Maguire's exclusion from the Ireland squad and the fact exclusion? He, really? well he wasn't called up so he's excluded you and I are also excluded because we weren't called up because we were, we were never included no, but you, you don't have to be in it in the first place to be excluded, do you? Does that mean then the f- over four and a half million were excluded from Martin O'Neill's squad? That'd be a nice headline to write. Well, you could argue maybe 12, 13 million if you take in the diaspora. Maybe 20 million if you're taking the grandparent rule in. Will we hear from Stephen Kenny? Yeah, I think we should. Stephen Kenny after Dundalk's 4-0 win against Sligo last Friday night. Dan was at the game. We'll get his thoughts in a second. Uh, but first, here is Stephen talking to LMFM. We've been... We've been excellent at home this season. Performances at home this season are, Good are much higher than la- mm. standard than last season. Mm. Mm. Um, you lost one game. People don't understand that. They think, you know, partly because the pitch has improved as well. Mm. It must be said, but I think, but it's away from home that we haven't. Uh, mm. We have. We we have to find uh, a better sort of uh, a tougher mentality away from home. Mm. You know, we we, we obviously are, are form away from home overall. Yeah, at home we've been we've played every team off the park, mm-hmm. but at at at, at, 
away from home, um, we uh, we need to get better. So we must find a reason why we haven't been doing as well away from home. And we've been a little bit brittle. So we need to we need to we need to uh, defend better and be stronger stronger in our mentality going away from home. Stephen Kenny there, and he has once again talked about their away form being the issue. He said pretty much the same thing to us after the defeat to Shamrock Rovers last week. Uh, they're away to Limerick on Friday night. Um, Dan, you saw them on Friday night. You were at the game in Oriel Park. What did you make of them? I thought the second half they were excellent. Uh, half time was scoreless. The, I thought the two teams were. I thought the teams, two teams were very level. But within the first five minutes of the second half, you saw that Dundalk had increased their intensity. I thought four 0 flattered them a little, but they were by far the better team in the second half and well deserving of the win. He talked about Jamie McGrath after that game and how he is developing as a player, and that's what Stephen Kenny does. He gets a player and he makes them better. Connor Clifford is maybe a little bit later in the life cycle yes. than a player who normally Stephen Kenny well, works with, we need but. To- if he does improve him, if he gets anything like what we expect out of Clifford from Clifford, then he's got a hell of a player on his hands. We do need to remember, for all the experience that Connor Clifford has, moving to Dundalk from where he was in England, he's actually moved up a level from what he's been at in recent years. He still needs to get up with the pace of the league. I thought he was good on Friday night. One person that stood out, he came off in the last five or ten minutes, Patrick McElhenney. Yeah. Stand ovation again from both sides of Oriel Park. And as like we've seen in recent weeks, they have a gem on their hands with that player. They certainly do, but there are times when he's disappeared in matches, particularly against Shamrock Rovers. Now, maybe I'm being harsh because if you don't have possession and the other team are dominating you, yeah. then a team, uh, then a player like McElhenney is going to find it hard to actually Impose stand himself. out. Exactly, yeah. he's a possession type of player. Um, what about Sligo Rovers? As I said, first half I thought was excellent. Uh, speaking to fans around me at halftime, we were very impressed with how they were doing. Jared Little is impressed in his opening few games at the showgrounds and especially they had a brilliant win the week before against Limerick and it was their best performance of the season. So we're expecting a good bit at Oriel Park. I would write it off as a bad 45 minutes. I think there's more to the team than what we saw. As I said, 4-0 I thought flattered Dundalk. They're certainly worth a two or three goal win, but Rovers conceded two goals in the last four or five minutes. That game was 2-0 in 85 minutes, finished 4-0, conceded a penalty and a very needless penalty with the last uh, with the last attack of the game and Dundalk scored that and then from the kickoff, the whistle was blown. So four looked worse than it actually was. And it's St. Pat's for Sligo in Dublin on yes. Friday night. Okay, let's talk about Sean Maguire not being called up by Martin O'Neill for the friendly matches coming up as well as the World Cup qualifier against Austria. Joe Gamble, the last player at Cork City to play for Ireland while at Cork City joins us now Joe obviously a former Limerick player he's now part of their strength and conditioning staff he was also a player at Reading Um, we'll get to you in a second and your thoughts but first of all this is what Martin O'Neill had to say about the situation I'd, uh, well I'll keep monitoring it uh, as I'll do with a couple of other players that have, haven't made the squad but uh, uh, this is um, it's good to see he's doing well but um, I think there are a couple of lads in front of him at the moment he continues to uh, uh, to progress, no reason why he can't make it. I think we've shown that there before with a couple of the lads from the League of Ireland coming in. I think a couple of lads are ahead of him at this minute, both in experience and uh, well, experience as, as much as anything else, which is something we might have to draw upon against Austria. Joe, what's your reaction? I think it's a fair reflection, to be quite honest, uh, and that's no slight on Sean Aguirre's ability. I think his ability has not been questioned, but I think as Martin said, um, there's probably a few lads ahead of him in terms of the pecking order in terms of um, guys probably been waiting for that call up maybe for the last two or three years who haven't had a chance to and uh, I, look, I think I think it's a fair reflection I think if you're going to look at the facts uh, without 
mean, you know, putting um, your heart before your head. I just think if you're looking at previous performances in the League of Ireland with the likes of Richie Toll, when he's such a great uh, season, scored 20 plus goals, you know, deserves to be player of the year. Daryl Horgan was the same for the last number of years, really, you know, played in top quality opposition last year, especially in the national standard of UEFA Cup. They didn't get a call up and they were with Dundalk and they won three league titles in a row. So I think it's unfair just because Sean McGuire's had a good start of the season to kind of say that he deserves to get a chance. I think he's got to do a bit more and I suppose being realistic, he probably needs to look at um, playing at a higher level if he wants to be named amongst the squad of 35 on a regular basis. Yeah, Joe, I can't remember who I saw said online and I saw something in the last few days said on Twitter, but the, basically the premise of, of the tweet was Preston's Sean Maguire is, is more likely to get called up to the Ireland squad than Cork City Sean Maguire. Unfortunately, that's probably a true statement because as I just said there really, look, look, look I mean, look at Daryl Horgan, for example, last year playing the UEFA Cup was a man in the match a few performances against Zenit St. Petersburg, full of internationals, full of top quality internationals. He didn't get a call up while he was at Dundalk. The minute he went to Preston, he got a call up. No, look, maybe that's probably being biased, but that is the fact. I mean, you look at other players. Brian Lennon, a lesser example, was at Cork City, had a great start of the season, went to Hull, was in this Orland camp straight away. And, and, and the boys the same. So, look, it pains me to say it, but the reality is Sean McGoy is going to play for Orland. He's going to, he's going to need to do two things. He's going to have to introduce the internationals so he can actually have a platform to show that he's can play in the stage which I, I think he can I think I, I, for me I think he's got fantastic ability and he, he, he will get his chance if he keeps going the way he is but unfortunately I don't see it while he's playing in the league world he's, he, I know he, uh, he's already scored twice for the under 21 so like there is there is uh, an international pedigree there of a certain standard but I know you mentioned it a moment ago about how well he's done at the start of the season and I can't think of, of a better way to say this than what's in my head so I'm just going to say it is he really just the flavour of the month at the moment um, I think that's unfair, Look, To be fair, I, I suppose, look, there's an argument for that. He's had a great start of the season. Cork had a great start, of, you know, unbeaten in 13 games. There's a lot of hype around him, which they deserve because, you know, they've had such a great run. And he is the golden child at the, at that, at the starting eleven. Um But I think his ability, he can back it up. You know, I have to say, like, I remember even playing against him when he was young by Waterford. I could see his, his ability straight away. He really has a lot of ability. And he's... He's similar to Roy Donovan, and I can compare him to when I played as well with that colour of player. He's the same type of player, very explosive, very, very strong, great touch, has knife for goal, probably hasn't got Roy's aggression, but he definitely has an ability where I think we'll take him further. And I think if he keeps progressing, and again, look, it pains me to say it, if he wants to play for Ireland, he either has to move to go to England in the Championship or above, or they have to reintroduce, be international, so the likes of Sean McGuire and other players can have a platform to show what they're about. Joe, Joe, looking at it with your strength and conditioning hat on, because that's what you do now, is he strong and fit enough to be an international or to play in the championship? But the trouble is, is he's not coming up against guys on a regular basis who are at that level, so it's kind of hard to judge. Um, I think he is. I think his stature, he isn't, you know, a five foot eleven man. He's five foot, I think, was nine, I suppose eight. Yeah, very very stocky build, big strong legs in him. You know, um, I know from Liam Carney, he spoke very highly about his physique, that he's in excellent condition, you know, body fat's nearly 6-7%. And I think physically he has it, no doubt. And I think when you when you watch him playing against players in this league, in, in our league, and in defenders, he actually swats them away fairly easy. He's actually too strong for a lot of defenders. Yeah. So I can definitely see him progress. And I don't think that's, um, that's going to be a question. I think if, if he 
trains against, and trains and performs against better players and you know uh, have that higher standard standard um, in terms of English clubs and, and the way they train. He'll only go, he'll only get better than that physique wise. I think it's just he needs the opportunity. That's the biggest thing Shani McGuire needs. He needs the opportunity to showcase yeah. what he's about. And again, looking at the facts of previous players and what they've done in the league in the last two or three years and they've really lit up the league, they haven't got the opportunity to play international football while they're playing this league. So what I would say is, why does Shani McGuire deserve us? And I don't think he will get a chance while he's playing this league. That's just the fact. Joe, I know it was a, a while ago, but what was it like for you when you stepped up into international level? And again... I remember at the time Steve Staunton was very impressed with your fitness and ability and obviously, you know, you were a good man on the ball as well, but was it a, a, a giant leap for you when you came up against guys who were maybe that bit fitter, that bit stronger than guys you played with or against on a regular basis in the League of Ireland? Uh, look, obviously it was a step up, there's, there's no doubt about that, but I, I think the biggest thing that I probably would have noticed is fellas had confidence and, and backed themselves a lot more. Yeah. They were much more... They were much more um, in the belief that they deserve to be there. Um, I don't think, like physically, yeah, players would have probably quicker, were they stronger? Yeah, they were stronger with a better touch. Yes, but I couldn't say that they were miles ahead. But you could see there was just an extra sort of intensity in training, an extra sort of quality. Yeah. It might not have been very, very noticeable when you're playing and you get that split seconds. And Is that you something know, you, you noticed, we'll say, for example, when you trained with Cork City as compared to when you would have been training with Reading? I think the team we had at Cork City were all young, hungry, athletic sort of type players. We were all sort of in that frame where yeah. a lot of us would have came back from England and we were being used to the standards of training. I definitely noticed that when I went to Reading, say, and when I came back, oh, sorry, when I went to Reading and when I was at Cork City, the difference was massive. I mean, the intensity of training, the physique, sort of, just the professionalism. Lads go to train, they actually go to work. They don't go to train, they actually go to work and they get there early. They do an awful lot of work even before they go, maybe even do an hour's work in the gym on their own individual weaknesses before they even go to the pitch. Then they're on the pitch, then they might even stay afterwards to do extra stuff. So it's really a different culture when I went to England for when I left Ireland to when I went to Reading. But when I came back, the gap was a bit smaller. No, it was still there, but yeah. there was definitely a shift in intensity in terms of players' physique and the way lads went about their business in terms of training. It's interesting um, you use the word work there. Is that the, the, the big difference that... Like guys who play football will play football all day and it's like mm. hurlers who can hurl like the likes of Paul Flynn would tell you he would go out onto the field all day he'd love to be striking the ball all day mm. but put him in a gym no not interested didn't want to do it and there's a lot of players like that Colin the Gooch Cooper would say the mm. same the gym work was something he had to do rather yeah. than something he wanted to do is that the difference now that the guy who will get to Sean Maguire's level and beyond will do all that gym work will do all that physical work because that's the work you put in whereas the football side is, is the enjoyable part yeah, I mean, you put you put the nail in the head. Really, I mean, every team and every every squad's going to have a group of players where five or six of them will be have to be dragged into the gym. They won't want to do it. And there's five or six lads who need to be dragged out of the gym. Do too much. So you need to get that fine balance where you're not overcooking and you need to do enough. But I think your ability and your ability will get you so far. Especially yeah. if, you're, if you're not a world class player, your ability will only get you so far. What takes you on to the next level is is that professionalism, is that work rate, is that going beyond. And doing more, like you know, um, like I think most of a good phrase where, like, they, what they say to their players is, "Why are you doing for the other twenty-two hours of the day?" So they're in there, they're in training two hours a day. But what are you doing for the other twenty-two hours? What are you eating? What are you sleeping? What are you drinking? What are you preparing? So it's like a twenty-four-seven job, and that's the way the difference of professionals in Ireland and England definitely is. The guys in England, if you have that sort of mentality of 
this is work. This is real work. This isn't just turning up, having a five-a-side, doing two set pieces, having a bit of a laugh and a joke. There is a time for laugh and a joke, but when it's work, it's work. And that's the difference, I think, with top players that I would have played against is that focus and that sort of determination is there. It's evident to mean to walk in the change room to when they leave. It's all about business. And those are sort of players, especially lads who are playing League of Ireland, look, we're not world-class players. The lads are not, you know, technically gifted. So what they have to maximise is everything else besides their technique. If they don't have that sort of level of technique, they need to improve in other aspects. So whatever inches they can get, they need to take it. Joe, I just want to take it back to Monday for a second and you can be very honest with us here. When Sean Maguire was not picked in the squad, did you breathe a little sigh of relief? You're still the last Cork City International. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, no, no, not really. You'll never be me, Maguire. <laughs> yeah, no, no, to be honest, I, I don't actually, it's only topped up a lot more as the, as the years go by, I suppose people are telling me more and more, but look, I, look, I yeah. would love to see more League of Ireland players. There's players who deserve international captures like I did when I played League of Ireland. Absolutely, they, they deserve it. Sean McGuire, I'll go back to, like I said, Daryl Hogg and Rich Stowe. Look, they, they deserve it. Other probably lads have gone before him, you know, maybe yeah. lads Forrester, if he never went, he probably would have got a, he'd have been a lot of cries for him to be involved. Maybe, you know, Ronan Fink would be in the training squad. There's quality players there. It's just, look, I had the opportunity to have a be international that gave me a platform to actually show that I was able to play and I did well in that one. Then that gave me the opportunity to go to Mark. Obviously, look, there was a few injuries there, but, you know, that's, that's life. You've got to take them, you've got to take the opportunities when they come. But I'm not, I'm not, anyway, I'm not. If, if a quality player like McGuire gets, you know, gets uh, in the NASCAR for playing across it in fair play, I don't want a lesser player, put it that way, getting an international cap for me. Lesser so, players uh, getting international caps. Mm, so that's, they're all, that's a link. Uh, all I'm hearing there is Joe Gamble says, I'm delighted that Sean did not get picked. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm, no, joking, no. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm Typical joking, Dan <laughs> trying to put words in your mouth. Listen, you mentioned lesser, lesser players getting capped yeah. and... Um, Maybe it's harsh, but it maybe think of Joe Lapira, who is also on that tour of America. <laughs> no, no doubt a good lad. He took the opportunity that all of us yeah. would take. But th- that must have seemed bizarre because people have been talking about you for a while, whereas this lad just popped up out of nowhere and he was so distinguishable because of his long, long hair. Yeah, yeah. Joe, yeah. Joe, I'm over like a hillbilly. I'm um, over a hobo. Like, well, he, listen, I think to be to be frank about it, when we were over there, I think there was maybe a late pullout and I think Instead of maybe dragging someone over, which sounds terrible, I don't mean that in a bad way, like dragging someone yeah. over to Mark Leverall, and that sounds terrible, but I think it was just an easy option to get a local guy, um, I don't know, I, don't, I, th- I presume he was grandparents or some sort of connection, obviously, I don't know. Um, you know, I suppose in Einfeld, yeah. should he got a cap? No, really, not really. He shouldn't have got a cap, let's be honest with us. But, you um, talked about having a couple of good nights out with the squad, though. Yeah, we had a, good, we had a great night, actually, after uh, we played... Um, Bolivia, Shane Long was on the guitar and we had a few uh, sing-pongs in the bar and two points and uh, it was great tour to be honest it yeah. was some great people I mean look for me even the likes of, like Calvin Kilban man's a lovely guy like to, to be fair when he came into the squad he made me feel so welcome great pro you know I got on very well with him there were sure lads there as well most lads there were being young that I would have played with somewhere down the line in terms of youth football 16, 18, 21 so I wouldn't have been uh, too um Fresh, you know what I mean? I would have known a good few of them, basically, so it definitely yeah. helped as well. And Joe, just before we let you go, no permanent appointment, but there doesn't seem to be any instability in Limerick. You actually seem to be going quite well under Willie John. Yeah, I think, look, I think Willie's come in and done um, exactly what Martin did. Really, previously, he didn't change too much. He kind of had, you know, change a few sort of uh, tactical maybe decisions or personnel, but he wouldn't have, you know, changed the whole squad. Um, we've got a good team. That's the, that's the reality. We've got good players in good positions to kick on to another level. We're going to need, you know, probably more players and 
bigger sort of um, quality in terms of depth for more strength, strength for, uh, for everything really for injury suspensions lack of form but I think overall we've done quite well but I think now it's the time that you know the club needs to appoint, some, appoint someone and permanently and to kick it on to another level and I think look from talking to the club I reckon that will be done within the next 24 hours 48 hours so they have, they've done the interview process they've, they look as if they know what they want um, I think they look things at them are looking well Okay. And, uh, that's it. Okay, Joe Gamble, thanks for joining us on News Talks SSE or Tricity League podcast. This is News Talks SSE or Tricity League podcast, and you haven't gone mad. You are hearing Taylor Swift and her song all about change. And the reason I didn't use David Bowie changes is because, quite frankly, you have too much respect for the man. I didn't want to disrespect <laughs> the man. Taylor Swift, fine. It's it's pop. It's chewing gum for the brain. She knows exactly what it is as well, and so do you. Uh, but yes, more change to the league format, possibly on the way, Dan. Yeah, the ever-changing league. Every year, new formats, new teams. New, it's just it's becoming messy. It's really, really messy, and it's getting annoying. Okay, let's talk to Neil O'Reardon of the Irish Sun. Neil, um, you wrote about this today. In the goal segment, tell us exactly what's planned and what they're possibly looking at doing. Uh, well, in the Conroy report, since they bring it back to, to there in 2015, there was there were talks about various sort of tinkering which might be done with the, the league. We've already seen some of that with the move to 10 teams for next year. But one of the other suggestions were playoffs to try and make it um, to, to make it more exciting. So obviously, there has to be some sort of change anyway with fewer teams in the Premier Division next year. So the two templates, which I think have been supplied by the FAI to the Premier Club's alliance to look at where a straight 36-game season, which each team would play each other four times, so twice twice home, twice away, or else three rounds of games as there is now, after which there will be a split between the top six and the bottom four, with obviously the bottom four um, trying to avoid relegation, and the top six to decide the league uh, European spots, and if this continues, the, the two places in the Scottish Challenge Cup what I'm not entirely sure is whether the um, whether there would definitely be playoffs that would go with or would it be just a uh, home and away system again which would bring their season to 37 games. But playoffs are certainly on the table as a discussion point. Um, not for the league title itself and I don't believe for the the first Europa League spot but for the second one um, which would be a novel development but there, there are there are arguments for and against us. Uh, primarily, it keeps the league alive for clubs when it might not be otherwise. But given the prize money that goes with Europe, I mean, it would seem a lot of a lot of money to be riding on one game. Um, and I think you'd have to sort of build in some sort of compensation factor for a side that might lose out in those playoffs. And the other big point is, you know, we place a big emphasis on uh, progressing in Europe. And you really want... Uh, on your side, which maybe isn't so strong over the course of the season, taking up one of those European spots when you might deem them less likely to uh, to fare well in Europe. Okay, so let me try and bullet point this because there's a lot in there. Um, the division is going down to ten teams. The Premier Division, we knew that anyway. So what they're talking about possibly doing is is you go so far in a season, then you split the bottom four and the top six, and mm-hmm. they play off, and the team that finishes top wins the league second and third get Europa League spots and fourth plays maybe fifth in a playoff um, also in there there's a possibility that it could just go to a 
a playoff anyway? Is it just a, some kind of playoff? Well, I think like the, there would only be 27 games played yeah. uh, after two rounds of games, so they would probably be looking to bring it up to the mid-30s, so that could be just one more meeting, um, which would bring it up to 32, and then um, and then enter the playoffs. Uh, or else they could do home and away and have no playoffs, which would bring it up to 37 games. Um, so there's like it's it's very much kind of at the negotiating yeah. stage now, nothing sort of set in stone. But I, I think, Ty, it would only be... I don't think third would automatically get a Europa League spot because there would still be a Europa League spot for the FAI Cup winners. Um, so okay, so third and fourth could be in a playoff for the Europa League, and you might throw fifth in there as well, just just to really reward average. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and there's those two spots in the Ch- Scottish Challenge Cup. So, I guess I mean the thinking is you could have yeah. basically there be something there for everyone, with the possible exception of teams which finish sixth. Um, but you know, again, like whether teams go for that playoffs, they would probably want to see a decent financial incentive there for them to be worthwhile. Um, but again, then there's also the the danger of uh, familiarity yeah. breeding contempt because you could be playing each other five, you know, some teams five times in the league alone, and if you throw in cup competitions, it could get fairly monotonous. Neil, maybe it's my negative nature, but immediately when these changes are proposed, or generally when they're proposed, I automatically think, what are they doing? Why are they changing it again? But argue the counterpoint. Is there is there positives to be had from this? Is there any good to be had from this? I, I think playoffs, like they do, create excitement. Um, you would probably get a bigger crowd than you would do ordinarily. Um, so, there, you know, it does keep the seasons going, but, uh, like, it is kind of shuffling deck chairs in the Titanic a bit. Like, it's not make, it's not any sort of, I don't know, overwhelming change to the league. It's not going to make a huge difference to the league from that point of view. And, like, the downsides, as I mentioned, are, like, potentially in Europe. Like, uh, ideally, you want your, your strongest sides in Europe. Now, the time of our season means that doesn't happen all the time anyway because the team which could be very strong in October of the previous year might have utterly changed by the time they're playing in Europe to July the following year but at least if you're talking about and it usually has been the cup winners coming from the top four as well so generally the top four sides in the league going into Europe then you know that's that's a pretty good representation of the our best sides but um, if you go beyond that then I think you're you're less likely to do well in Europe um, which you know is isn't isn't good for the overall image of the league. I think we all agree that the league benefits when uh, teams do well in Europe, so that has to be considered as well. I'm sorry, the other point, sorry, which is I haven't men- mentioned is the first division. Um, the what? And, <laughs> uh, you may know it from uh, such controversy as. Um, <laughs> That's the, actually uh, brilliantly put. Yeah. Um, oh. It's the proposal there, which. Again, this has been discussed by the FAI and the Premier Clubs Alliance, but not the first division clubs. They they haven't organised themselves into an own organisation, so to some extent they've only got themselves to blame, but it is rather curious that you're discussing the format of a league and consulting the clubs of the league above us, uh, but not you know having any input from the, cl- the clubs who would actually be affected by it. And uh, Anyway, the proposal is that the champions would be promoted automatically, the teams which finished third and fourth would play off, the winner of that would uh, play off against the team which finished second, and the winner of that would play the team which finished second from bottom in the Premier Division, um, with the team which finished bottom in the Premier Division being relegated automatically. Um, so playoffs again, to get into a playoff. Yeah, yeah, and it is kind of heavily weighted, I guess, to the Premier Division club in that you know you're they're sort of waiting for the winners. Apart from the fact that they may have a lengthy wait uh, between their last league game 
and when they actually get to play. Um, if it would, you know, there will be ten teams in the first division, so the fact that the team which finished fourth uh, could still, in theory, get promoted would would keep that league alive. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's, it's pretty odd that the first division clubs have had no input into it. Neil, I just want to go back to the split for a moment. Obviously, we've seen this work uh, pretty successfully in Scotland with the SPL, where uh, it uh, it splits into two mini tables of six after three rounds of games. But looking at uh, the format that uh, that you've said could very well come in, if it does come in, it's going to be at the end of the season where we have teams at the end of the year playing a different amount of league games to others. Like that, that surely has to be a non-runner. Uh, well, yeah, I, I think. A lot of these details have to be ironed out, but um, I guess the only thing you would say is that if if it is home and away for the bottom four, like there will be no decrease um, in the number of games they're currently playing in the league, uh, and you can make the argument that well, that there's an, an added incentive, um, you know, to to be successful, that you will get more games, which obviously means more gate receipts. Uh, but the like overall, the the length of the season will have to be looked at again. Like it's already been lengthened this year, um, but it's still an extraordinarily short season in comparison to most leagues. And uh, if you're going to work in extra games, then that's going to have to be increased, and that will have implications for clubs' budgets. Because you know, although managers routinely complain about the season being too short, which it is, in my opinion. The reality is that the, their clubs are quite happy with it being that short because it means they don't have to pay players as much uh, for for as many weeks, and um, so there will be an additional cost to this as well in terms of uh, outlay on players. John Caulfield has been speaking to you off the ball in the last couple of days. The Cork City manager, obviously, he's under pressure this week, having not won against Galway last Friday. So it's a tough week for John. But this is what he had to say about how he would like the structure to be and the changes he'd like to see regards how the league is run and they're not format changes it's it's interesting stuff what he's mm-hmm. had to say uh, and I think that that our standards are should be from the top down mm. not from the bottom up mm. and um, I firmly believe that we should have an FBI League of Ireland committee basically employed by the FBI four or five people who just run our league full time and are given financial support to put in marketing um ideas and uh, just run our league from people who are really passionate about our league just to bring it to another level because I think people can see this tremendous quality there but the perception isn't that So that's John Caulfield speaking to Off The Ball he raised a lot of good points there Neil a lot of valid points and a lot of points that have been raised by the clubs themselves they want more marketing maybe prize money they want maybe a bit more focus from the FAI regards how the league is run yeah, I mean, that's been an issue. And like uh, I do have a level of sympathy for some people within the FAI because they, they're they being asked to work on the league whilst working on a lot, a lot of other things. And if you're not giving the league your full attention, then clearly it suffers. It's not getting the sort of treatment it deserves. Um, and again, this is this is uh, one of the recommendations in Conroy that there was basically a champion as such for the, for the League of Ireland. Um, you know, Fran Gavin is director of competition, so his brief extends beyond just the League of Ireland. You know, you, you it kind of, I, I know it's been so sort of maybe mentioned that there would be like a commissioner, like you might have an MLS, like a, somebody whose job it is to sort of spread the gospel as such about the League of Ireland and uh, a real figurehead, which which is lacking. And uh, like John comes from, John Caulfield comes from a sales background, so like he has an idea of what he's talking about when it, when it comes to the promotion of the league. And um, I think the more dedicated staff, full-time staff there are, 
within the FAI, but also within the clubs itself. And the league has a far better chance of success with people are devoting all of their energies to, to um, the betterment of the league. Since the, the League of Ireland rejoined the FAI and they're now under the one umbrella, do you think that maybe, uh, of, of it's a, it can be an opinion, but uh, I think the FAI have taken their eye off the ball with the league. Uh, they're, as you said, it's the director of competitions. It's not just the director of FAI. Is there is there simply just not enough people focusing fully on the league at the moment? I think so. I think you've also got to bear, bear in mind the huge debt within the FAI. Um, you know, so they, they took over the, the running of... Um, of the clubs, and you know, the John Delaney has regularly made the point that you know the clubs are running a huge collective loss uh, at the time, and that has been reduced down, which is which is true. Um, although that that's happened with quite a few clubs falling by the wayside, so you know, I don't, I'm not sure that's regarded as good business practice. You know, the clubs going out of business, and you can trumpet that you've uh, you know losses are down as such. And obviously, during the, since taking over the league, the FAI embarked on the reconstruction of Lansdowne Road. Um, which means a lot, a lot of funds which would go elsewhere in Irish football have been devoted towards that and the, the repayment of bank loans. And it's like it's quite clearly the case that there's not a huge amount of money within the FAI to devote expanding areas of the game which need to be expanded. Like I, the, their introduction of the under nineteen, under nine and seventeen league, and to come this year the under fifteen league are great. But the problem is they're putting a, a huge financial strain. Clubs which are already struggling to make ends meet, like the if you factor in, uh, you know, how many buses you have to hire or whatever else, um, and that's in a in an association which had more funds to to uh, spread around. Like that's the kind of thing where you'd be looking that the FEI could carry a lot of that uh, cost because ultimately, like their 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 raison d'etre is to promote football in Ireland, so. I, you can say clubs should be funding this themselves, and in an ideal world they would be. But I think at least at the start, um, if there was a you know some sort of grant system from within the FAI towards clubs to fund this, then it would start to get a bit of momentum. Gradually, things might might improve. But the problem is that the FAI have still have huge millions upon millions of uh, euro to repay in bank loans for the construction of uh, the Viva Stadium, and that means there's just not that much loose change and Abbotstown to, to put towards the league. And there's so many discussions that we could have that kind of branch off a lot of the things you just said there. One of them, I guess, would be clubs actually being able to use their players as assets, as in, let's take Sean Maguire as the perfect example. If Cork City were to get a chunk of cash for him and a sell-on if he went on, the same with Dundalk and Daryl Horgan, then you can pump that money back into the club and it means you're less reliant on the FAI gate receipts, all the week-to-week stuff. But again, that is a discussion for another time and we can get into that in depth and in depth. There we go. Burnt into the brain, the word dead. Um, Neil, just before we let you go, it's, um, it's been a while since we talked to you. I guess Cork City have been the dominant force in a footballing sense, but just generally, 13 games into SSE or Tricity League 2017, what have you made of it? Uh, it's been good. I mean, the fact, I don't think it's great for the overall league that Cork are, are running away to the extent that they are. I'm okay um, with it. <laughs> they, uh, they deserve all the plaudits. They guessed like they've been really impressed in some games in terms of the, the swagger with which they've played in others. They've been really impressed with how they've ground out victories. Um, so they deserve, deserve all the credit, you know, that they that they've been getting. But ideally, from a neutral point of view, you would like a bit more of a title race. Um, and it does look like the, the more interesting aspect is going to be the bottom of the table, where I think um, there's certainly is it five points covering the bottom six, something like that. Um, 
So that's, that's going to keep us interested by the looks of things until the end of the season uh, with three going down. Um, I just it, it, It's impossible to see whatever improvements Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers might make over the coming months that there will be a corresponding huge uh, decline in Cork City for it to be like a, a title race sort of worthy of the name. But, um, you know, it's been brave being a breath of fresh air. Like Harry Kenny's done a, built on a very good job last year to... Um, to sort of keep Bray up there this year. They've attacked with a lot of pace. Dylan Connolly, Aaron Green, Gary Cape, McCabe's obviously scoring a lot of goals, so they've been good to watch. Um, you know, obviously a couple of the, the Dublin clubs, Bohemians and St. Pat's are struggling al- along with some other teams, which you might have expected to be down there, like Sligo, Galway, Finn Harps and Drogheda. Um, and uh, so I think, and um, well, Limerick um, seems no closer to appointing a manager, which seems a bit strange, like it's, I thought, when they uh, removed Martin Russell must have been at least six weeks ago now. They would have had somebody lined up, but they seem to be uh, humming and hawing. And I, I know there's one thing about taking your time to make the right appointment, but um, given that they had ambitions of reaching uh, Europe, qualifying for Europe for next season, um, you would think that it would be in their interest to make an appointment soon enough. It was one of the main negatives of the league at the start of the season when everyone was mentioning about the three teams going down and only one going up. But with Cork being so far ahead, and I know you've you've already mentioned it, this relegation battle between so many teams could be the saving grace for the league this season. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a real dogfight. Um, but whether that is conducive to entertaining games is another thing. You know, uh, like I think you will find a lot of drawn matches. Uh, like if you look at towards the top of the table, um, if memory serves me, like the likes of Bray, Dundalk and Rovers have drawn very few games. Yeah, I think the first, um, I th- I think the first scoreless draw in the league only happened two weeks ago. That's right, it's yeah. in Galway. Um, but I think uh, towards the bottom of the table, you will get a lot of drawn games. Uh, people will be cagey with an emphasis on not losing uh, rather than winning. But, um, you know, with the flip side to that is that they're... If, if you can you get a couple of wins, string them together, then you will go up that table very quickly, as people have seen. Like, you, you know, St. Pat's went from bottom to the relegation zone on the back of one win last week. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a sizable leap of three places uh, just on the back of one win. So, if teams do show a bit of ambition, they, they could be fairly well rewarded and get themselves out of trouble, but I can't help feel. But uh, most teams will be riven by fear when it comes towards the end of the season. Okay, Neil O'Reardon of the Irish Sun. Thanks for joining us on News Talks SSE Airtricity League podcast. Thank you. We actually talked about this last week, didn't we, Dan? We did. Maybe we're becoming League of Ireland influencers, Oshin. We are because in the Irish League, this is what they do for the second Europa League yes, spot. This I think, is the, know, the first, team. This is the first year they've done it in the Irish League. Okay, so the team that finishes third up there doesn't automatically get the Europa League spot. No. There's a playoff. Third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely, it's such a reward of average. Why should you get into the Europa League if you finish fifth or even fourth ahead of a team that finishes third? It's a league. It's a league for a reason. Because the rules it's supposed to be. Yeah, no, but it's a stupid rule. It's a dumb rule. I don't think it's a dumb rule. It, oh, why, how can you not see it as a dumb rule? Well, let's look at it this way. For example, this year, let's look at the League of Round Table. Yep. Someone like Simpat, Slugger Rovers, Bohemians, Galway, Finn Harps, one of them win the FAI Cup. Yep. Well done them for winning the FAI Cup. But they're still... If the table stays as it is, far worse than the likes of Cork, Bray, Dundalk, Derry, Shamrock Rovers. No, but, the, they, they but they've allowed? won a competition, Dan. They it's a separate a, competition. But this is also And everyone knows this from the this start. This is a four-team competition that you have to play 30 out well, games. What's the point in having into? a league then? Because what's the point in finishing third? What's the point in finishing above people in a league if you're just going to be slapped in the face with this? 
But you're not going to be slapped in the face. You Pe- are. People will know at the start of the season. Yeah. I remember, I'd say it was around 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, and I, for once, I'm going to use another sport in this. You're the person that usually brings up Harlan. I'm going to bring up rugby. Better. I'm going to bring up rugby on this occasion. The English Premiership about 10 years ago changed their format because a lot of uh, rugby leagues were, using, were introducing finals. The first, whoever came first in the league in the first year lost the final to whoever came second or third. There was an outcry about it yeah. because they topped the league, yet they didn't win the title. That noise got less and less as the years went on. As If we get used to this, this will give excitement to teams that right now, at the end of the season this year, they will not deserve have a chance. It though. How do they not deserve it? Well, because if you're not as good as the other teams, you shouldn't be rewarded. That's how sports should work. Now, like, Look at the Pro 12 since you brought up rugby. Yes. Yes, it's a playoff system, but yeah. it's a top four. Yeah. And, okay, you can say as well, rugby's kind of strange because you lose your best players for a lot of the season and mm. that's just an accepted part of it. But at least in that, at the very least in that, if you finish in the top two, you get a home semi-final. Correct. At least there's some kind of reward. This is utter bull because by and large, you have your best players throughout the season. There's no kind of balancing off in that sense. I just, I, I cannot believe they're looking at this as a possible thing. It's yet another example of tinkering for the sake of tinkering when there's so many other things which I Neil agree has with talked the, about. I agree with the fact it's yeah. uh, that there's tinkering for the sake of tinkering yep. but in this case League of Ireland it's good publicity it will keep more fans and more teams entertained in the latter weeks of the season. Okay let's go to the fixtures you have the Premier Division I ones. do and by the time you'll hear next one there's actually two rounds of fixtures so I'll go through them very quickly. Six games on a Friday night all at 7.45 it's Limerick against Dundalk St. Pat's against Sligo Rovers Galway Finn Harps Derry Shamrock Rovers Cork City Drogheda and Bray Bohemians. Then there's also a round of fixtures early next week. One game on Monday night at Shamrock Rovers against Galway United. That's at 8pm in Tala. And five games on Tuesday evening, all at 7.45. Dundalk Derry, that's in Oriel Park. Bowls take on Limerick. Sligo Rovers are home to Cork. Finn Harps take on St. Pat's. And Drogheda welcome Bray to United Park. In the first division, UCD take on Cove. These matches on Friday night. Waterford up against Longford. Wexford take on Shelburne. And on Saturday night, Cabin Teeley take on Athlone. Last week, Cabin Teeley lost 2-0 to Cove Ramblers at St. Coleman's Park. Uh, that means that uh, Cove Ramblers in the first division table at the moment are third, but they're only two points behind leaders Waterford and one behind UCD, who are in second. Ramblers boss Stephen Henderson said basically last week, and this kind of comes back to a point that we were talking about in the last couple of weeks, that you want to train like you play. Well, he said that's exactly what his team did against Cabin Teeley. Do you know, we, we trained on Tuesday night and the, the intensity of the training session was absolutely incredible. Yeah. And I said it to the lads after, I said, he's not doing this for two hours. Can we do it? Why can't we do that for 90 minutes? Yeah. And in fairness to them, they, they played the way they trained here to, uh, tonight. They were fantastic. Uh, the closing, the pressing, picking up the second balls, the intelligence of the passing, the movement, everything was there for us tonight. Absolutely thrilled with it. So now uh, we're really looking forward to going up to UCD next week. In the Continental Tires Women's National League uh, on Saturday, Cork City Women's take on Shelburne at 5 o'clock. P-Mount United host Kilkenny at 6.30 and on Sunday at 2 o'clock it's UCD Waves against Galway. Shelburne currently on top. They have an 8-point gap between them and UCD Waves who are in second position. That's it for this week. Say goodbye, Dan. Bye, Dan. And where can we get you? At uh, Mr. Daniel. And you can get me on at Oshin Langan. We will talk to you soon. Take care. Good luck. Bye. Off the ball on News Talk. Thanks to Air. Catch all the sports you love free on the Air Sport Pack with Air Broadband.